0: I feel like we should've known this already Very even taught this at all Will this be on the test? Hi
1: everybody and welcome to Will This Be On The Test? I'm Maddie. And I'm Austin. And we're here today to talk about some things we should've learned in school but didn't learn, didn't learn fully, or didn't learn correctly.
0: And sometimes uh, we go out and realize, oh no, we are over 35 now, <laughs> and have to take multiple naps over the weekend.
1: Yeah, for the first time since Halloween 2019, we went to a gathering of people with whom we were not related, to whom we were not related, and I had a couple of drinks. Nothing like I would have been able to handle 10 years ago. Just a couple of drinks, and I have taken a nap both days since. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. It was, it really, I didn't drink very much at all, but I'm just old.
0: Yeah. Well, you're, well, we stayed up way too late.
1: Yeah. We got home at like midnight. Yeah. And then the next day, and we had to buck out of the party because we um, had to take our cat to the vet the next morning and I had to learn how to give him shots. And I'm like, I cannot take shots and then learn to give my cat shots. Also, (laughs) I'm 35. I can do like one shot and then I'm down. Yeah. But yeah, we realized that we are staring down the edge of 40.
0: Yeah, we're closer to 40 than we are.
1: Somebody posted on Facebook today that the guy who played Grandpa Munster on The Munsters was 41. And I have not verified this. Oh. But I will say that at the start of I Love Lucy, Vivian Vance, who played Ethel, was 42.
0: Okay, so we still have slim hopes.
1: And Lucille Ball was 39 or 40. So it all means that her kid was born later in life. Wow. I thought she was in her 20s on that show. But she was on Vivian Vance, who played her. You know, much older landlady was two years older than her. <laughs> uh, William Frawley was twenty-two years older than Vivian Vance, though, and they hated each other. Really, they actively hated each other. Fun. Mostly, it started with her hating him. Actually, more than anything else, she would. He caught her smack talking him. <laughs> uh, I've been thinking about doing an episode on Lucille Ball or the whole thing because she
0: was really important. So,
1: if oh. you guys want to hear me talk about Lucille Ball or Dick Van Dyke? I've not talked about your- either she- of them yet.
0: Is obsessed with old TV shows,
1: and especially Dick Van Dyke. I love him so much. Uh, i I highly recommend his first memoir, which is something like "Still Dancing" or something like that. Do the audiobook, he reads it. You get to hear Dick Van Dyke talk for like eight hours. It's awesome. <laughs> Who goes first?
0: I go first. All right. Okay, you ready?-hmm. So in school, uh, we cover like Lincoln's assassination and JFK's assassination like a lot, to an extreme degree. But did you know that there were actually four total assassinations of American presidents? Maddie, on the spot. Who were the other two American presidents who were assassinated in office?
1: In office. Yeah. I ca- I can picture some f- a couple of faces right now. Are, uh, um, are I, they are
0: they mustachioed old white men? One has a beard.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah. Well. That what was? No, James Taylor was not one of them. No. Uh, Tyler, James Tyler, I mean. Yeah. Uh, although one of his grandkids is still alive. Yeah. Um, Garfield was not assassinated. I think he had an attempt. Was he assassinated? Yeah, Garfield was assassinated. Okay, okay. so Garfield and... My brain keeps saying Madison, but I know he wasn't assassinated. You
0: were actually super close. It'd be McKinley. They, okay, it was an M. Yeah, there's William McKinley, Um, which... I was, th- I was thinking
1: William Madison. I'm like, that also doesn't yeah. feel right.
0: There's William McKinley, who was assassinated by an anarchist.
1: So I get like a C on this? Yeah, say? you get a C.
0: You're close. I mean, and yeah, McKinley. And then also uh, James Garfield. Or as I kept typing the entire time I was doing this, Andrew Garfield, who is who Superman, played Spider- Spider- Spider-Man. Spider-Man. So I'm not talking about Spider-Man. And if I do say Andrew Garfield instead of James Garfield, just like correct that in your head and don't assume that the worst of the Spider-Men is out there. Okay,
1: is he the worst because of him or because of the
0: movies? I haven't seen Because them. of the movies. He was a fine Spider-Man. It was just a bad movie.
1: Yeah, I don't care why people are so against the ones that we that came out when we were in high school. I really they're, Toby Maguire, I loved them and I still think they're good.
0: Very like dated like they they are products of their time for sure.
1: I mean, yeah, they look they like they were made in yeah. the early two thousands, but I can't even think of anything that would be like offensive in them to no. modern sensibilities. And Toby Maguire is fantastic.
0: So yeah, anyway, well, I'm actually only gonna talk a little bit about Andrew Garfield.
1: Andrew Garfield or okay. Because we already talked a little about Andrew Garfield, who is in the upcoming Tick Tick Boom movie, yeah. directed by. I've only talk a little
0: bit about James Garfield because his assassin Charles Gateau is like way more interesting, I and mean, I'm not going to talk about him for basically the entire episode. And it's not that Garfield was boring; uh, he fought in the, he fought for the Union in the Civil War.
1: He had uh, a big mustache, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I was also picturing I was picturing beard and big mustache. Yeah. Two different people, though. Uh,
0: He had a surprise, like, come-from-behind primary victory against the sitting U.S. president, U.S. Grant. So he had, like, there's, like, big, like, political drama that was exciting and fun. And his platform was one of civil service reform, uh, basically, like, getting rid of cronyism and corruption in the government, uh, expanding education, and uh, expanding civil rights for African Americans.
1: See why he was assassinated. Yeah, wanting to have the country be less shitty.
0: So yeah, he had a lot of good stuff he wanted to push through, but he didn't accomplish a ton before he was assassinated. He was like in office like six months ish, then got assassinated. Yeah, but like, so he was an interesting guy, a fun president. He did he wanted to do a lot of things, but he was assassinated. And Charles Gatteau is just. So 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 very crazy.
1: I just figured out why I remembered their like remembered kind of who they were. It's because of that president song, uh, by
0: Jonathan Coulter. Jonathan Colton? Yeah. Yeah. And also, there was a musical about this too called Assassins.
1: I'm kind of aware of assass- Assassins. I actually, I've heard the soundtrack maybe twice.
0: Yeah. So he just so he's so crazy. I have like no choice but to focus on him. Like I read one fact about him. And it's like, okay, this is my podcast episode. And then I dove in, and I kept finding more and more.
1: Yeah, this and is a problem Austin and I both had this week, so we'll be here for about six hours. Yeah.
0: So uh, Charles Gateau was born in 1841 in Illinois, and, well, his childhood was difficult. By all accounts, his father was abusive and just a nasty person in general. And his mother died of psychosis when he was seven.
1: So does that mean the dad murdered her, murdered her or she killed herself?
0: Uh, she killed herself or just died of being sad. Because um, some sources said that it was postpartum psychosis.
1: Oh, that's a very real thing, yes.
0: Yeah. But seeing how this was 1848 and um, also at the same time as I was reading this, Maddie was doing a dramatic reason of, a, a dramatic reading of reasons women had been admitted to hospitals. <laughs> so like I would take this cause of death with a grain of salt. Uh so he was mostly raised by his older sister and eventually a stepmother when his dad remarried. Uh he also probably had ADHD. Um his brother recalled a story about his father offering Charles a dime if he could sit still for five minutes, which is like, that's that's like a five, long ten, time. That's if, like how ten, depending on how old he is like five ten bucks. And um, Charles did not collect that dime.
1: To be clear, ADHD does not make you a murderer. They tried to argue that for one of the mass shooters years ago. ADHD does not make you a murderer. No. I have yet to kill anybody.
0: So far. She's come close. I said yet. Don't worry. With practice, you'll get there. So when he was, uh, when Guto was 18, he had inherited some money and went to college in Ann Arbor, Michigan. But he was lonely and not doing well. And while he was there, he got into religion in a big way. And specifically, the Oneida community, a utopian Christian society founded by John Humphrey Noyes in upstate New York. How do you spell that? O-N-E-I-D-A. They
1: make potato chips, I think. Uh, no- it's a potato chip company, I think.
0: Oh, um, I, I hope not, because after I tell you this, you probably wouldn't want to eat their potato chips. I think it's a potato chip company. So yeah, uh, the founder, uh, John Noyes, described it as biblical communism.
1: I mean, that sounds like a place that would make potato chips.
0: So, after reading about it, you know, Gato decided, I'm going to join this society. So he traveled there to join them. And I should probably give you a little bit of background on the Anita community. Firstly, they were pretty progressive, especially with women's rights.
1: Oneida is... Latware, but i think there was a local company place i used to and then there's the oneida people who were a native american tribe and first nations band so you're telling me that they just stole a name
0: really coming from someone who lives right next to a shawnee and a wichita and a well in a state that's actually named after the kansas uh-huh. people yeah shocking so they were progressive especially with men's rights
1: with men's rights women's rights
0: okay <laughs> Secondly, they practiced community and committee criticism.
1: Is that like the
0: airing of grievances? Yeah. They would have regular meetings where people would bring up complaints about behavior and undesirable traits and ways that you were sinful in front of everybody. in in the interest of improvement and leading a life without sin.
1: You remember when you guys made me do that?
0: Yeah. That was brutal.
1: Yeah. They did a Festivus when I was like (laughs) 22.
0: And full of rage.
1: And I told him, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be a part of this. I don't, I don't want to do that. I'm not comfortable. It was you and my ex-husband and his best friend and then a couple other guys, I think. Yeah. And finally I was like, all right, fine. And I told each of them exactly what I thought of all of them, including my ex-husband. Um, I don't think I said much about you. No. Uh, and then I said yeah happy now and i walked out of the room and i remember none of this i remember that it happened and i
0: blocked it out yeah so yeah that was what their community was based around so they would just have so they would just publicly read everybody in this community at all times for any any reason and they also had special committees where people who were just especially good at spilling the tea would just be up there to say well let me tell you about how you fucked up
1: so they were podcasters
0: yeah and so they would do this. This was how they were a community without sin. And thirdly, and this is probably the reason Guto joined this community, was that they practiced free love.
1: Don't they always seem to do that in your stories?
0: That's right. You thought I was going to be talking about a murder, but I go onto a sex cult tangent.
1: This is not your first sex cult. I don't think it's even your
0: second. <laughs> nope, I have done so many sex cults. It's like an early Christmas present I'm giving to all of you, but especially giving to me.
1: Uh, you and your sex cults, man. One of these days, I'm going to wake up and you're just going to be gone because you joined one. I'm not going to
0: join one. I just like I just like hearing about them.
1: I don't know how to respond to that.
0: Yeah. So, uh, Anita, as a community, they all had an open marriage. It was all consensual. And they kind of justified this all all by saying that there is a difference between am um, amative, which is like, you know, I'm in love with you and I just want to have sex with you, love. And propagative love, where it's like, hey, we're going to have children. And they had a way of stopping unwanted pregnancy. <laughs> and it was something else. Um,
1: is, is any of it from that whole episode I did on this?
0: <laughs> it was uh, something called male continence. Pulling out? Yeah. And, or it doesn't count as sex if the man does not ejaculate. Yeah. And but women could have as many orgasms as they wanted. And it was actually encouraged because they acknowledged that those existed back in, like, you know, eighteen the 15, 1850s, 1860s.
1: I don't know what that word means. I don't know what you're talking about.
0: Yeah. And So basically, it was that sex comedy that Carrie Fisher tries to get Liz Lemon to write in 30 Rock. Timely reference. So how did this future assassin do in this community? Not great. Everybody hated him.
1: So he couldn't even get any in the
0: sex, co- he the sex cult? He couldn't get any in the sex cult. Um, they had a nickname for him, and it was Charles Get Out. <laughs> which... Is the quality insult pun you would abs- absolutely expect from a polyamorous sex cult that spent their spare time just spitting out diss tracks about everybody around them.
1: I'd even forgotten his last name sounded like that, and I liked it regardless.
0: Yep. Yeah. So, uh, to uh, tried to write a newspaper for the community, which they already had a newspaper, try and get them to like him. It didn't work. Then he became increasingly mad about women not wanting to fuck him, and he just finally left the community and sued the founder multiple times for $6,000, claiming that he did work for this cult the entire time he was there that he was not paid for. Um, the These were quickly thrown out as frivolous lawsuits, and Gouteau's own father actually wrote a letter defending the founder of the sex cult, calling his son insane and deranged. At this point, you may be forming the impression that Guiteau was an early prototype of a modern incel. Yeah. And you would be right. So after he you know, was kicked out of a sex cult, he moved back to Illinois, became a lawyer and passed the bar exam.
1: As incels do.
0: Got married to a librarian <laughs> and started a career as a bill collector. Uh, he pretty much just stole from his clients. He would go collect the, the money that was owed them and give them either none of it, or just a portion of it, and just kept doing this over and over again, and there was no Yelp, so he got away with it. Mm -hmm. Eventually, it all kind of caught up with him, and people started going after him for all of the money he owed them. So he fled Illinois and went back to New York, where he and his wife got divorced in 1874, because he was an abusive asshole.
1: And divorce was not common back then.
0: No, Although I did
1: think, I think there was like a, reverse like curve. I think it got lower and then went back up. Uh, they were a little chiller about it in the eighteen hundreds, yeah. I think, that in like the And now the divorce rate is actually pretty low because we're just not getting married.
0: <laughs> yeah. And for some reason during this divorce, Gateau hired a prostitute to sleep with him and then testify at the trial that he had been unfaithful as a way to embarrass his wife during the divorce proceedings.
1: And she was like, cool, more things I can use against you. During
0: this fling with the prostitute, Guiteau contracted syphilis. I was
1: about to say, it's the siffy, isn't it?
0: (laughs) My note says, wait for Maddie to finish laughing.
1: It's the siffy, the siffy, which is making a comeback right now, guys. So uh, use a condom.
0: Yep. Uh, Guiteau then published a religious text, because nothing says pious man like syphilis. He also uh, plagiarized most of the book from the founder of Onida. When his book flopped, he had to flee Boston to get away from the people he owed money to, and also to escape accusations of theft. Uh, He spent the next chunk of his life as a traveling preacher who was pretty unhinged. In modern times, he would have been like the guy we saw shouting about Jesus on the subway. Mm -hmm. Exactly that.
1: Uh, no, the worst part was he wasn't even shouting. He was trying to engage an individual woman who was actively trying to not look at him. So obviously I'm watching him like, we're going to have to throw down. <laughs> but yeah, he was, they're scary. Like the, yeah. the more like, the more religiously loud people are, the scary they are. Like, I've, you know, lived in cities, and you get all sorts. You get all sorts of, like, loud, crazy people. But the ones who are, like, threatening you with, like, hellfire and stuff, you know that they believe 100% that they are morally on the right and will come after you. He was scary, but I was, I, I would have thrown
0: down for that. You know me. So then, while he was doing this, he also made another pretty natural transition, as you expect. Uh, someone who got kicked out of the sex cult was defrauding people. He was on the run from the law because he owed people money had syphilis, was plagiarizing things, and was just an unhinged street preacher, uh, he became a political pundit. Sure. Um, I honestly can see him getting a primetime show on Fox News. Do
1: you hear that one of the Fox News guys just admitted he has no idea what critical race theory he's been yelling about it this whole time? Shocking. Can't remember which one it was. It's all of them. But... All of
0: them. Specifically, he campaigned for the Democratic candidate uh, in 1872 for the presidential election, Horace Greeley. Oh. Uh-huh. uh Gateau hoped that if Greeley won, he would be so thankful for Gateau's rantings and ravings helping him get elected that he'd immediately appoint him to be the ambassador to Chile. Uh, uh, why Chile? I don't know. I really don't know. I could not find out why, but that's what he wanted it was Chile.
1: So I'm guessing this guy this guy like sounds like he heard voices and shit.
0: Maybe. So uh, Greeley lost a landslide to Ulysses S. Grant. Then eight years later. Um, he switched parties from the Democrats to the Republicans and was campaigning for Grant in the primary. And when Grant unexpectedly lost to Garfield, Gatto simply, this is true, according to Guiteau and his, like, stuff, stuff he's talked about in interviews, he simply crossed out Grant's name in his speeches and wrote in Garfield's. And then just would deliver them and was bugging the Republican, like, Party is like, hey, you gotta let me do deliver these speeches. They finally like caved in and let him speak in a small community, and it was it wasn't good. <laughs> so yeah, after Garfield won in a landslide for the president, uh, Gateau began writing letters demanding that he get credit for all of the work getting Garfield elected and be made an ambassador to Vienna or uh, Paris because that was actually preferable.
1: Ambassadors to cities rather than countries.
0: Yeah. Yep. Again. Does this seem like the workings of a sane man?
1: No, no. I feel like today he um, would be on a a
0: list. The White House responded with confusion and then just kind of largely ignored. Yeah. Uh, So Garfield just kind of bummed around D.C. with zero money and just kind of camped around in hotel lobbies, like borrowing their free stationery and going from boarding house to boarding house, not paying for things just being kind of a generally disheveled bum without winter clothes in Washington DC so he was just you know just a crazy person
1: yeah he's in some ways living my best life but i also lived just outside dc and you don't want not to have winter clothes there like no. remember when my like i was sending you videos of me trying to walk from my apartment to
0: the 711 cuz i couldn't drive to the grocery store cuz of yeah. 18 inches of snow the secretary of state Got so fed up with Guteau just running into the street and asking about ambassador or counselor positions that he yelled at him in public, never speak to me on P- on the Paris councilship as long as you live. And just got so fed up with him, the Secretary of State just yelled at him in public.
1: I love the idea that the Secretary of State, though, was like just walking down the street.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was back then. They didn't have cars. It's like, that's how you got places. Well,
1: I know, but I'm like... Uh, they didn't have like bodyguards and shit. They didn't no. have like a caravan. It was just you know strolling down the street, living their life, getting annoyed by this person. I heard a thing the other day that uh, the Secret Service came into being right after Abraham Lincoln's assassination, and it was not because of Lincoln's assassination. It, he had the paperwork on his desk and just hadn't signed it yet. That's I heard. I can't verify. I've not double checked, but Please. it's one of those uh, history TikTokers I watch mm-hmm. who I find fairly reliable.
0: So, yeah. So, Gateau, because he was not being made an ambassador, was convinced that Garfield was going to destroy the Republican Party, and the only way to save the party was to kill Garfield. He uh, briefly considered stabbing Garfield, but determined that the former soldier and generally, like, pretty buff Garfield would have beat the ever-living shit out of him if he tried to do that. Mm -hmm. So, he decided that he was going to have to shoot the president. He went out and purchased... A pearl handled revolver with fifteen dollars he had to borrow from somebody. Would that did they know what they, he was buying with it? No, they did not know why he was buying it. But it's America. So it's like I'm buying it's probably you. just
1: leave me the fuck alone, money. Charles, uh, get out.
0: The reason he picked the pearl handled revolver was because he thought it would make a better museum piece once he had killed the president.
1: Legit, my first thought was that sounds pretty.
0: Yeah. So he was again. He th- still thinks he's the hero. So this is going to be like a museum piece that people will flock to to see the gun that this hero used to kill this tyrannical president who didn't want to make him an ambassador. And so on July 2nd, 1881, Gateau shot the president twice in the back at a Baltimore railroad station and declared, Arthur is president now. Referring to Chester A. Arthur, not the Art.
1: So we went from Garfield the cat to Arthur the aardvark. Yep. Seriously, what a fucking coward. At least like... In the back? You fucking yeah.
0: coward. And more importantly, uh, he figured this out because he read the president's schedule in the mm-hmm, newspaper. Mm-hmm. And Garfield was on his way to vacation with his sick wife on the Jersey Shore.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was kind of how Sarah Jane Moore, um, she fo- she followed the schedule.
0: Yeah. Uh, it took 11 weeks for Garfield to die. 11 week 11 weeks. He had a long and painful battle with the resulting infection from being shot and not from the actual like bullet wounds themselves.
1: That's it's like by modern standards he could have probably survived.
0: Oh, uh modern doctors think he absolutely could have survived if they had uh just left the bullet in place and not done anything to him. But they were digging around in him with like basically unwashed hands and dirty utensils. Yeah. And like modern do- if they had just used to sanitized tools, modern doctors think he would have
1: Yeah. Um, you'll hear stories of people who got shot and still have the bullets in them. And it's not because they, like, sometimes because we can't get them out. Sometimes it's because we can't get them out and guarantee, you know, it's better to leave the bullet in sometimes. It just makes things complicated later when you're trying to go through airport security.
0: Yeah. Garfield described the intense pain as being, as like tiger claws raking down his body.
1: Remember, this is like a fucking veteran who's a badass. And,
0: Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Also, the first residential air conditioning system was installed in the White House at this time as an attempt to relieve the fever affecting the president, because it was July in D.C. Yeah. And also, like, everyone around him was being affected by malaria from all the mosquitoes. So it was just a bad time in the White House. And this trial for Guiteau was an absolute. Uh, the defense tried to plead that Garfield, sorry, that yeah, the defense tried to plead that Guiteau was a narcissist was insane, had always been insane, and had a deformed brain that made him insane. The prosecution argued that he was simply a deadbeat seeking fame. I kind of think he was both. He was a crazy deadbeat seeking fame. Gateau fought with his defense the entire time, claiming that he was under direct control of God when he shot the president. A normal thing that sane people think all the time.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: He also argued that he was legally insane, but he was not actually insane.
1: That's a real thing, actually. You can be legally insane, but not actually mentally ill. And you can be mentally ill, but not legally insane.
0: And he was, um, and he thought it was insulting that people were calling him insane and would fight with his defense regularly about it. Uh Uh-huh. But he loved all the attention he was getting and his bizarre behavior and just the fact that everybody hated him because he shot the president. Like, made it so he just completely dominated the news. He loved every second. He would curse the judges, the witnesses, the prosecution, his own defense team. He would take legal advice from the spectators in the courtroom. They would pass up notes to him telling him what to do, and he'd do it.
1: This sounds like what they're trying to avoid with the trial of a certain blonde woman whose children disappeared and then were found dead by saying that she needs to get um, some psychiatric help before she can be... This sounds like what they're trying to He
0: delivered his testimony in a poem? Perfect. Um, and in an interview with the New York Times, he demanded that they put a personal ad that um, for a wife in there for him. <laughs> and more importantly, uh, the way he described her was an elegant Christian lady of wealth, under thirty, belonging to a first-class family.
1: You get any responses? No. Do I get to hear this poem?
0: I tried to find his poems, and they're like not. I the one the excerpts I found. We're not, like, something you'd put on a podcast. It's just, it's not funny. It's not entertaining. It's just, like, bad.
1: As opposed to the hour and a half of racism I talked about last week.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's,
1: it's, it's it's a
0: different kind of worse.
1: Give me a general idea.
0: It's just, like, unhinged ramblings. Oh. Like, just not, not even fun to read. It's like, oh, this is just sad he became violent when the jury announced that they had found him guilty and he was to be executed. Mm -hmm. And so he actually had to be forcibly removed and sent to his cell by the guards. Mm -hmm. Uh, His insanity claims were dismissed because, uh, because the judge determined that he knew he was breaking the law. He knew that shooting the president could kill him. He was, and he was aware of the potential action, the potential consequences for his actions. So even though he was insane, He was competent to stand trial.
1: Exactly. Legally insane versus mentally ill
0: are not the same thing. Uh, He was hanged on June 30th, 1882 and was really mad that the now president, Chester A. Arthur, had not pardoned him. He said it was the basest ingratitude because uh, the only reason you're president is because of me and you're not pardoning me for this.
1: Yeah, I can't think of any vice presidents who became president due to this who were like, yes. I mean, I know that they think that Kennedy's assassination was partly planned by him. And I do think that there is some sketch, sketch shit that went around with Kennedy's. And I think more people knew ahead of time than will let on. I don't think he was like, let me be president. I'll plan this.
0: Yeah. (sighs) But even he still loved the attention while he was getting, even as he was being executed, he actually danced his way to the gallows. And his final words were he delivered a poem he wrote in prison called, I am going to the Lordy. And he delivered it in a high childish sing-song voice and he had requested an orchestra to play while he delivered it but his request was denied
1: Uh uh-huh
0: they made parts of his poems into a song in the musical assassins which a bunch of presidential assassins and attempted assassins all try and coach sarah jane moore on how to do it that's the plot
1: yep actually that's i think part of how i came across her is i was kind of just because there was a show, a place nearby at one point that was doing assassins, and I kind of got curious. And I was like, "Why am I not hearing about these women ones?" Uh, the only song I remember from it is the guy who uh, was was going off the president to impress Jodie Foster. It's the only. Song yeah. I had
0: So his butt, his body was studied to see if he in fact did have a brain, or normal, that made him crazy. And his brain is cataloged in the Mutter Museum, the same one I talked about from the uh, Doctor Mutter episode. Uh huh. So they just have his brain in a fucking jar of alcohol on a shelf in their wet specimen's room.
1: Were they able to find any abnormalities with it? Because, like, mental illness does sometimes come with physical abnormalities. And also, if if his dad was abusive, there could be visible trauma. All the
0: stuff I read about his brain didn't mention anything about them finding abnormalities. I figured they would have if they did. But,
1: well, yeah, and also, it's been so long now that they probably can't safely remove it to look further no. with the new technology.
0: So, yeah, it's sitting, it's sitting in a room in a jar. It's not on general display. You actually need special permission to go see the brain. And it's just sitting, uh, the journalist I was reading who saw it. So, it's like, yeah, it's just on, like, this bottom shelf. They like, had to reach down, pull him up. Uh, they they call him Charlie. The rest of him is allegedly buried under his childhood home in Illinois. Where his ghost has been spotted.
1: Of course.
0: I couldn't find anything to verify this. And Do people there's...
1: live in that house?
0: Yeah. Well, they live where it was.
1: Yeah, kind of like on that episode of mm-hmm. Kindred Spirits, where people live yeah. on my family's land and we're haunting. Also, them.
0: there is al- they've also spotted his ghost in a town in Wisconsin that he lived in briefly, where like the house is still standing in this like abandoned ghost town. So yeah, that was um, that was Charles Gouteau. Uh What? <laughs>
1: You know, it's very, very sad, especially if you put it in the context of even today, he probably would have made it this far. Yeah. Like, because oh once you hit 18, sorry, you can be as big of it, like, until you actually commit a violent act.
0: Yeah, he would have, he would have definitely had a podcast.
1: <laughs> you know, maybe that'd be better. He'd be able to just get his views out into the world and hopefully no one would listen to him. But we haven't seen that with certain uh, Spotify podcasters. Nope. Not, we love you, Spotify. We do not love this podcaster. Oh,
0: no. So, are you ready for questions? Will male continents be on the test? No. Will the, will uh, President Garfield fighting for civil rights in 1880 be on the test? It will be a footnote. Will using your interview with the New York Times as a personal ad be on the test?
1: I mean, when you got actually get to do your interview ne- uh, about... What, God, what was it? Uh yeah. Wendigos? Yeah. When you do that, I'm plan- I'm expecting you to use it as a personal ad as well.
0: But for what? It's like, I guess we do have that desk we want to get rid of.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, if anybody wants a really heavy desk that we will make you carry downstairs yourself, because I, will, I physically I will, can't help.
0: I will help you carry it. But you've got to get... It's like, it's free if you... If you're a range transport.
1: Yeah. So um, that's our, tra- that's our personal ad for the day. If anybody Boom. wants a big ass desk in Kansas that you have to carry downstairs around a corner and outside on some cement because, and I'll sit there and I'll give moral support because I physically cannot help.
0: Yeah. So, wow. Okay, cool. I guess, yeah, that will be on the test because that's just great advice. And look at that. Yeah. We just sold a free desk. <laughs> uh, will the importance of washing your hands if you want to do surgery be on the test?
1: We have a whole episode that they can go back to and study for it with.
0: Yeah, this was like the nexus of so many things we've talked about. Oh yeah,
1: some similar stuff's come up in my episode today. Ooh. My topic. It's, it's my episode now,
0: bitch. My episode? No! I've been kicked off the show. We're not doing that.
1: I'm, I'm just seeing how long you talked this time. I can't see it.
0: Hey, we're at 36. Oh
1: man, I was hoping you went long this time because it wouldn't be me.
0: No, it's going to be you. It's going to be you.
1: Yeah, we started this, uh, I think we've mentioned this on the show, I have a 7 p.m. time um and i think my body knew that even though we hit not daylight savings time which we also have a whole episode on um it just moved myself to seven and so we started recording exactly at seven and at seven o'clock every day my brain goes into i'm going to talk about this topic mode and the topic changes and today is one of those topics actually
0: yeah and I this think was, I've mentioned on the podcast before. We
1: have for sure. This was going to be my Halloween episode, but then Claudette got in the news and I wanted to make sure Claudette Colvin got covered because honestly, she's more important than a lot of things. The, although I will say this is also incredibly important, just in a very different way. So this is something I initially researched because someone was being an asshole on the internet. As uh, actually a lot of my topics come from. And
0: that's also most of her seven o'clock rantings come from someone being an asshole on the internet.
1: Or being stupid on the internet, or being wrong on the internet. This one was being an asshole because I, you've heard me complain about true crime groups on here. I love true crime podcasts. I'm in several amazing true crime groups. I am no longer in this one because they ticked me off. Um, Somebody posted a cutting board that they got that had Jeffrey Dahmer on it. And it said something insulting about Jeffrey Dahmer on it. And I'm like, you get to stab Jeffrey Dahmer every day. Like, th- to me, this all makes sense. People are like, you're glorifying Jeffrey Dahmer. I'm like, by stabbing him every day? It's like, I mean, it's not my taste, but sure, neither were people. Um, and the same group, though, just like the day before, been talking about how cool it was that someone in the group had an actual human skull on display in their home as a talking about pe- conversation, that's the word, conversation piece.
0: As a talking about thing. Yes.
1: It was just on display in their home, and they would like decorate it for like the holidays and shit. And they were like, "That's so cool and clever. Where do I get one of my own?"
0: But God forbid somebody laser etched Jeffrey Dahmer onto a cutting board.
1: Yeah, somebody. So we have this laser etching that can be you're stabbing Jeffrey Dahmer every day. But you also have an unknown person's skull that you keep putting in costumes, and you think that that's the more okay one. So today I am talking about the legality and ethics of owning human skulls. Now, I could go into different parts of the body, organs, blah, 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 blah. not going to, just talking about skulls, not even whole skeletons, unless it has to come up. I'm also going to clarify before I start, morality, ethics, two different things. I actually do not think it is inherently immoral to own a human skull. Uh, That morality issue comes down to how are you treating the skull? Did you go out of your way to make sure the skull is well taken care of? Did you make sure that the skull was, you know, ethically sourced? Ethics is how things got to you in the first place. Should you even have this? Like, kind of like, it's not immoral to tell somebody they look nice today, but it can be unethical in the wrong situation.
0: Like with those red cowboy boots, Ted.
1: Pulling? We've a raccoon named Ted now, by the way. Yeah. He doesn't live in our house. He lives outside.
0: All right. It's immoral that we keep... He would eat all of us. <laughs>
1: so, before you die, it doesn't matter if you're healthy or unhealthy right now. It doesn't matter if you're young or old. Before you die, you should create at least two very important legal documents, one of which is your will, one of which is your advance directive. Your advance directive tells people what you want done medically in the case that you are incapacitated. Things like your do not resuscitate order. But it also includes what you want done with your organs and your body, because your will may not be immediately found or it can take a while to get through the red tape. And by the time they get to your will and realize, oh, shit, they wanted to donate all their organs and send their body to the body farm in Tennessee, you've been buried completely intact. So you want this in your advance directive because your doctor should have a copy of that. In that document, you will dictate what you want done with your remains, things that you can legally do with your remains in the United States. Donate it for medical or educational purposes, including having the military blow it up and having um it put out in various situations, which I'll talk about more to study decomp in the form of police investigations. Very cool. What I would do, I think, if I didn't want to, you know, be thrown into two cremation, three burial or other type of internment, four being turned into a tree or compost or a mushroom or something, uh, five cryogenic freezing, six mummification. Apparently, what. I did not go too far into this because I was reading this list of things you can have done and some of it's, like, some of them I left off the list because they're definitely illegal in the United States, but they were like, this is illegal in the United States, it's legal other places, like Viking burials are illegal in, I think, three places around the world. The cremation place was, not the, the mummification place was in the United States and I looked at it. Now, again, I have no problem. If you want to be mummified, that's, that's great. That's kind of cool. But it was, like, full blown, like... We'll put you in an Egyptian-style sarcophagus kind of shit. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, I'm done. I just looked at Austin. I was in the middle of a timed research session that we do. And I go, I'm done. I just closed my computer and walked out of the room. He's like, what? And finally, I opened it back up. and I'm like, yeah, apparently he's mummified. I'm not not saying you should do that legally. I would talk to a lawyer first.
0: And then- It seems like a very dry subject. She's drinking water now. I broke. And the last
1: one, burning your body, body publicly. Now, that is actually a tradition in certain parts of the world. Or- In Creestone, Colorado, they allow that to happen 12 times per year. Ooh. Just burning your body publicly. 12 people per year. But you see what's missing? Giving your skull or any part of your body to someone as an individual. The only way you can give away your body is as an organ donor or a donor for medical or research or educational purposes. So I can put down all I want that when I die, they have to take off my head, deflesh it, and give it to Austin. They'll look at it and go, oh, that's nice. I can have this written down in a legal document that a lawyer has signed off on. And I'm like, that's nice.
0: Well, okay, before you get too mad at me for this, it is strictly for the purpose of making her into a puppet so I can have the most horrifying children's story times ever.
1: <laughs> so the reasons it's not on there. First of all, morticians generally don't know how to remove a head from a body because that is a, the opposite of what they're supposed to do. They can put one back on in a way that will look relatively natural, if um, if it's possible to. They don't have the tools or the training to remove a head from the body because they shouldn't. <laughs> now, forensics uh, experts do. They can do this. They can. They will, you know, take the body apart to look for things. You're not getting the body back. Then you'll. Put, you might get it for cremation or burial, but you are not getting just a skull back as a present. This is not like a prize after you have a carnival competition. Um. And they would also have to learn to properly deflesh, that is the word, and preserve bones. Now, there is one company in the United States that, uh, as of at least 2016, one, was legally allowed to deflesh and preserve bones. Whether or not they can do it to humans is kind of a gray area. They claim they can, but you would have to will your body to them. And as we just discussed, you can't. Um, but they do it to animals all the time. So if you want to have your pet cat sent back to you as a skeleton, you can do that. They're called Skulls Unlimited. I'm going to talk about them a little bit. What? People do it. Yeah, I've seen pictures of this. And that's another one, like, is your pet. I mean, if that's what you want to do, it's not what I would do.
0: I mean, I guess we do put up, we do some locations for our cats in costumes. I don't see how that's any different. It's. Are you saying (laughs) that the
1: cat's fur is its costume and that its (laughs) skeleton is its true self? Yes. Because if you're thinking of the skeleton as its true self, this whole thing is even more horrifying.
0: (laughs) Don't insult my police.
1: Secondly, while it is legal, it is legal to buy, sell, and own human bones in the United States, it is apparently not legal to consent to this happening. What? This is because of abuse of corpse laws. Even if all that paperwork is filled out saying this is what you want, when the body gets to the funeral home, they're like, we legally can't do this. Uh, mortician Caitlin Dowdy, who wrote that Will My Cat Eat My Eyeballs book, um, she says, quote, they also prevent a corpse from being snatched from the morgue and used for research purposes or a public exhibition without the dead person's consent. Because of abuse of corpse laws, nobody's dead body can be claimed as property. Finders keepers doesn't apply here. But unfortunately, those same laws prevent you from plopping mom's skull on your bookcase. Damn it. Weirdly, though, when you donate your body to research or education... All of these things can happen. You just can't do it by choice. Also, there is not a legal way to skeletonize bones except for that one company and in medical facilities. Like, skeletonizing means properly removing all of the flesh and tissue using bugs, usually um you also have to get the brains out in a very specific manner uh usually that would mean removing the top of the skull and taking the bone that out but i believe that skulls unlimited because it just had special tools makes me think they do it egyptian style where they pull it out through the nose i don't know i'm not saying they do do that i bet they can do that with suction somehow it's grosser yeah um anyway it's been allowed all throughout history and yes like Owning this kind of medical abuse and stealing carcasses, all still happens today, but abusive corpse laws make it all, you know, illegal. But the laws are vague and tend to boil down to, you can't <laughs> do something people normally wouldn't let you do, even if the person tells you to do it.
0: I love that you've boiled down because that is also that one, is of, the one of the ways to sp- yes. strip flesh from bones. It is
1: one of the less, t- less common and less efficient ways. Oh. Uh, The bugs are actually the best way, uh, according to most sources, because they don't uh, strip off any DNA or other vital information. Um, And also you don't have to worry about having gross (laughs) water. So basically, abusive corpse laws boil down to you can't do anything that a normal person wouldn't. There was one that was like that that a functioning family wouldn't find offensive or something. And they're like, we don't know what that means. We just know that people in general are icked out by decapitating your loved ones. So we can't do it. It is also illegal as per the permits issued to the state, which are called burial and transit permits. It says what will happen with a given body and the individual laws say that you often can't do anything other than bury, cremate, or donate the body. Uh, like they have to get special permits every time they transport a body from the funeral home to the burial ground. The state has to know exactly what plan to do. So we're tracking all of this. If you got a dead person who's gonna get buried or cremated, we are tracking it every step of the way. If you're doing anything else, we are not tracking it every step of the way. Anyway, so if it's illegal to give your body to someone, But we know people have human body parts on display in their homes. Where the fuck do they come from?
0: The Bones Theory.
1: Well, we're going to talk about some legal ways. First of all, it is 100% illegal to purchase or sell Native American bones, period. You cannot own them. Period. If you find out that bones you have in your possession are Native American bones, it is your legal and ethical and frankly moral obligation to send them back to where they belong with their tribe so they can be appropriately buried or whatever their tribe does. That is the one group of people in the United States that it is illegal to own the bones of. Throughout the world, there are other groups that it is illegal to own the bones of. I think there are probably some specific legislation throughout the states. There are only three states that really expressly prohibit it in general. Believe it or not, two of them are in the South. Huh. Um, Human Parts, which is a writer on Medium, said their primary rule for themselves as a bone collector, um, they call it studying osteology, is to leave any sale the moment something starts to feel sketchy. What part of this is not sketchy? That's the question. Like, again, I don't think it's inherently immoral to have these bones, but you have to be aware of the ethics that how you ca- of how you came into possession of them. Um, human parts also says to check your state laws. They say, quote, it's usually legal and easy to purchase hair and teeth. It is it is difficult and not always legal to purchase human tissue. It's never legal to purchase the bones of Native Americans and some other indigenous cultures. Human parts, this one, seemed to be the least defensive out of all of the collectors that I read. They were like, if something feels weird to me, I'm going to leave. If I can't get a clear reading on how these got being i'm gonna leave other ones were like i can't believe i can't sell native american bones i'm like i i left that page real fast i was like you are uncool you are uncool
0: okay i think congratulations i think you found like a toxic fandom i didn't know about and that is people who collect human bones
1: Oh, i didn't mention the fact that this is pop this is a tiktok thing at the beginning that's completely by coincidence i was already planning on doing this episode when that tiktoker and their Dozens of spines and skulls and full fetal skeletons came to light. I am not going to mention their name. You know, if you want to look it up, you can. I am not specifically talking about that person at any point during this episode, or any specific person other than the ones I quote, because A, I don't want to get sued, and B, I find them a little scary. So, if it's illegal to allow your own body for, to be used in these ways, where are they coming from? It is not illegal to buy or sell any human skulls or other bones that are already on the market. So you know how if you buy a car and the car turns out to be stolen, you can go to jail for the car theft, even though you didn't know the car was stolen. It is not the case with human bones. If they're already on the market, as long as they're not Native American, you can buy, sell, and own them as much as you want. So long as somebody's already done it. If I, In fact, uh, if you find a skull... Okay, first of all, uh, until like the 1960s, 1970s, anybody in medical or dental school had to have... um a part a total partial or just a skull of a human human in their possession as it got further in time sometimes they were allowed to be fake sometimes they weren't if you go into your grandparents and your grandparent was a doctor and you open up and you find a human skull it's probably real and it did not get here in a nice way now we talk about it's like oh it's so cool and it was legal it was okay it was not okay um chances are that skull arrived from india when someone in India died and their family could not afford a burial cremate or cremation, or even if they could, grave diggers dug up the body and sold it, and then it was sent to America to be sold to these med students. A woman read about finding her dead husband's dental school skull and contacting Skulls Unlimited, the place I mentioned. When she described it, and she's like measuring it for them, they said that it was likely from a 12-year-old Indian girl. And she did, she sold the skull to Skulls Unlimited because she was not sure what to do with it. She's like, I'm a mom. I can't just, you know, throw this out the window. I can't. She's like, it it is legal. He's like, I'm pretty sure you can throw these in the trash because they're just pro. They're just property at this point. Um, can you imagine like the CSI team that would show up to the to the uh, dump? Um, so she sold it to them and donated the money to a uh, dental school that provides uh free dental care for low income kids because she's like that was the only thing I could think of that would do something. But this girl's skull gets to spend the rest of existence being bought and sold with some company's name etched into the back of her skull. She did not consent to this. No, her parents no. probably didn't get any money for this, If she, even if she was able to be buried at all. Um, this was banned in
0: 1985. Why? By
1: India, not us. And India banned it because they found a dealer with 1,500 child skeletons and no proof of where they came from. Otherwise, this could very well still be happening if they hadn't found that one guy. China took it over. They were like, "All right, cool. We'll start exporting the U.S. now." Guess when they stopped? When they banned it? I'm gonna 2008.
0: Oh, it's close. So oh, as close.
1: recently as 2008, these skeletons you were getting from uh, like for medical schools and shit may have been impoverished Chinese people who could not afford to do anything else. They also did not give consent. This isn't to say, like I said, America definitely knew where these were coming from. And I remember that like P.T. Barnum episode that I did where he had his, um, frankly, his slave dissected in front of an audience, which just happened again. Or Austin talking about how medical schools use the bodies of enslaved people. Yeah, we are not innocent in all of this. We were doing shit like this, too. In fact, as recently as April of this year, the University of Pennsylvania's Moon- Museum of Archaeology and Anthropology admitted to the unethical possession of human remains based on their dozens of skulls of black people that were part of the Morton Cranial Collection. Morton could be his own episode. Most of the skulls were from grave robbers. In the US, in Cuba, in all around the world, black people's skulls um, were from grave robbers. And they were used to prove, quote-unquote, that black people were less intelligent because that's what Morton set out to prove. And so he bullshitted some reasons. Not all of the skulls are of black people. They've got all races in there because it was all him trying to prove that white people were superior. Um, also, so you're thinking, though, that's, you know, that's a long time ago because it was a long time ago. What do you think about 1985? Was that long enough ago for it to be okay for them to have skeletons that didn't give consent and for one to have given consent? Especially if they were children who Whoa. were murdered. What? they discovered that they and one other college have bones from, of children from a 1985 bombing of a home that they were in with members of something that was very similar to the Black Panthers that was in the middle of the neighborhood. The police were like, fuck it, threw a helicopter over them and dropped a bomb on this house, which then raised the whole neighborhood because it's a bomb. And so some kids died and their bodies were just found in two different universities some have been on rotating display. Some are being used in classes to teach ki- to teach students the medical students about what happens the effect of burns on bones. And these parents had no idea where their kid's skeletons were.
0: That's- oh my god!
1: Yeah. Um, University of Pennsylvania has said that they are doing their best to get all the remains back to where they belong, but that's a challenge too because they're having to like try to figure out whose skulls all of these are to get them back to their home countries. Anything that they can't find, they're going to find a way to get them properly disposed of. Technically, though, if they had not been caught, they could have just sold all of these because they were technically already on the market and nobody would have been. Now, when you donate your body, you generally don't get to tell them what you want it used for other than a general idea unless you donate to something very specific. Like if I wanted my body donated to the body farm in Tennessee, it would be donated for use by the body farm in Tennessee. You would not get to say, though, also, I want her used for this exact type of murder.
0: So wait, I can just. So I could just donate my body to I don't know the the Times Square Olive Garden?
1: No, they have you have to donate it somewhere else and they have to sell it to the Times Square Olive Garden. Ugh, um not worth
0: it. you have
1: to if you're donating your body it has to be for medical research scientific or educational purposes and provably so. Okay. Or at least kind of. Both. They have to be able to claim that's what they're doing. So maybe if I like got some kind of science degree i could get
0: to keep your skull (laughs) i'm a theater teacher i need these skulls
1: (laughs) i've got to put on a very realistic production of hamlet and then i'm doing um poltergeist to the musical so i need lots of skeletons (laughs)
0: we're gonna wire them up and use them like marionettes
1: honestly like as a theater person i'd be okay with this for myself (laughs) but yeah that's actually a true thing guys the poltergeist having actual skeletons in the pool that is true because that was a They couldn't make
0: realistic enough skeletons yet. It was also cheaper.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And the poor actresses that were down there didn't know they were real. So you don't get to tell them other than like, I want this for medical research. I want this for science. Sometimes you donate your body. And there is a case about this. They believe they're donating their family's bodies for science. Instead, what these, you know, people were doing was chopping up bodies and selling their parts on the internet and not just their bones, which makes it even more illegal and also they thought it was super funny to fuck with the bodies not literally as far as i know um one of which was they cut off an old woman's head and put it on a very large young man's body and then just set that on display like some fucked up taxidermy cuz there was not it wasn't even taxidermied it was still like mushy flesh oh yeah the families were horrified because their families were not being used for scientific research they were literally just being sold on the internet piece by piece they found buckets of hands when they went in there to take, to find them. Yeah. So you donate your body, you've gotta like make sure you've read all the all the fine print, make sure you know exactly where it's going. If you wanna donate your body but you've not done that yourself, make sure that whoever's in charge of your body afterwards knows to actually do some fucking research. Um, places that claim bodies, that could be for a medical or educational person, there is no formalized system to verify that these are medical or educational. No. And there are no rules about turning around to sell them. One of the excuses they give for these things being on the market is, well, we're not going to use all the parts. So what do you expect us to do with them? So what they do is they cut off the body parts to use for different purposes in research, which is fine. Cut like, you know, if you're done in your body, you, you expect it to be chopped up. That's fine. But like, mm, we don't really need this hand. Let's just sell it. Hands go for about 600 bucks. We don't really need this spine. Let's just sell it. Spines go for like 900 bucks. Uh, I'll tell you what the most expensive is in a minute. <laughs> um, it's very specific and horrifying, by the way. And yeah, so that's what happens. You donate your body to science and yes, it's being used for science, except for the parts they felt like selling. And you don't get a say in that. And at no point does it say any parts that you're not using get sent back to my family. Now, in general, if you donate your body to a medical school, they will cremate and give back to the family, but make sure you always read the plan. And, and then we also have a, what does educational mean? So yeah, you can pretty much say like, I'm from a medical school and you can prove it. But if you're just doing it for educational purposes, how do you prove that? And that is how we recently ended up with a news story about a family who discovered their grandfather who had donated his body to science was on display at a sideshow and was dissected for an audience that paid 500 bucks a piece to be there. And the only reason the family found out is because an undercover reporter went to watch and the dude still had the toe tag on and he jotted down the name, contacted the family and they were like, excuse me. Technically, it was being used for educational purposes, uh, but they might have a reasonable lawsuit against the middleman here, is my thought.
0: It's like This is for educational purposes. I'm it, doing a story time. He referred it like- to it
1: as an educational performance, which does make it educational. He was like Bill Nye the science guy, except scary as shit. Um, and then we also have the other way. I, I didn't really know where to put this, but this has just been baffling. There was a guy who found a skull outside of his house, and instead of being like, oh shit, this is a skull. I should call the police. He went, wow, what a great conversation piece. And put it on his mantle with sunglasses on for about a year. And then his son came over and he's like, hey dad, what's that? He's like, oh, it's a skull. I found it outside. And his son was like, excuse me? You didn't call the cops? No, isn't it cool? No, it is not cool. It's not cool, dad. They called the cops. It was a man who'd been missing for eight years and had been murdered. Oh my God. And I don't understand Okay, like, I guess technically it was on the market and it was his property because it was on his property. Uh, (laughs) Fucking no. Because this seems to me like a pretty clear case of at least, like, impeding a police investigation. Desecration of a body for sure. Like, if I gave you my skull, feel free to put fucking sunglasses on it. But this guy, this poor dead guy, he didn't say, please put me on a mantle. And they've never found the rest of his body. They're pretty sure who murdered the person who murdered him was dead by the time they found out about this they're pretty sure it was one of the relative. So then there are the big questions about whether or not they can be sold online, since no one's vetting anything in those cases. Usually, um, like, the person I actually trusted who is, is the collector in this said that they will not buy online because they can't get a read on anything. Like, there's not a lot of documentation that comes with these things. There should be. There's not. But they're like, at least when I'm doing a face-to-face transaction, I can see how shady this person seems. Online, you have no idea. eBay did allow it hundreds of skulls went for eBay until eBay found out about it and they were like, "Oh shit, we don't have that against our terms of service." They shut it all down. And then I believe you can now sell antique skulls, not new ones. There is no definition of antique. Then <sighs> Facebook.
0: What about vintage?
1: When I'm ta- when I'm talking about skulls, there is no there is no definition of anything. Uh, Facebook between 2015 and 2016 sold a shit ton of body parts, and I actually believe it is still not against their terms of service, but they will take it down if it's reported. Ranging from thirty-six dollars for a bottle of eyelashes to the most expensive one, eight thousand dollars for a Peruvian mummified fetus. Regular fetuses from the states cost seventeen hundred dollars. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Where are you getting these Peruvian? Oh, and the second most expensive, the second most expensive were those Peruvian elongated heads. There is no way those were ethically sourced. No, but if they're already on the market. It's considered legal and ethical uh, by legal standards. Uh, they were also selling organs, and I'm pretty sure that's just baseline illegal. Hearts were, like, really cheap. Huh. And today, a lot are sold or advertised via TikTok. Now, there are legitimate doctors on there who are showing bones. who are like, look at this bone. Let me tell you about this bone. Isn't this cool? Then there are ones who are like, and they can be yours for the low price of $4,000 for this fetus. It's like, where did you get a fucking fetus? did the fetus consent did the mother cons- did you go dumpster diving at a planned parenthood what are you doing where are you getting fetuses the rest of it fine i can see how this was on the market i can see how- where did you get the fetuses so you can buy sell and own modern human skulls so long as they're already on the market unless you're in a medical profession in which case you can pretty much just get them and the law turns its back to a lot of things if you're already a doctor or a researcher including skeletonizing because technically like
0: yeah, because I'm 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 assuming like museums and places like that. Museums actually, also they have to do it for like specimens. Like
1: they have to. They're not supposed to. It's a weird, weird, complicated thing. We're basically yikes yeah, like you can own them, but you can't do anything with them. But the law just turns the other way for a lot of this. And I'd also be willing to bet a lot of it comes into the country already taken care of. <laughs> um. So consent, consent's a big thing here common refrain in those true crime groups that were mad about ted bundy but not about the skull love to say that consent needs to be freely and enthusiastically given and can be revoked at any time which i do absolutely agree with both in terms of sex and in terms of like how many shots you're gonna go to party and in terms well you can't really revoke consent once you're already dead but at least you got freely and enthusiastically given to whatever you're gonna do if you have got a
0: really like that's what you need so we need a ouija board so we can ask these skulls
1: no i'll tell you like i said earlier i don't think it's inherently immoral to own a human skull And I'll tell you, two, I would much rather have a human skull in my house than an animal skull, because if I'm going to get haunted, at least I can talk to the ghost about what's up if it's a human. So the question then becomes, does consent have an expiration date? So let's say, sure, you're pissed off. You're like, these bodies that are donated to science that are being used unethically, and then once they're done using them, they get sold to randos on the internet because that is what's happening. It is the medical schools and shit that are selling these. I don't think I made that clear. I don't think I made that clear. The research facilities, even, not, not the just shady, sketchy ones who are selling body parts claiming to be an educational facility, the actual medical, scientific, research, and educational facilities are selling these. Once this college is done with this body, if there was not someone to claim the body, or if they signed off to not claim the body, or if there was nothing about that, they just sell it. They all, They might cremate it, but they often sell it in it because it brings a lot of money in. Human skeletons are not cheap. You can get like upwards of $10,000 for a whole body and more or less depending on what's going on. So, yeah, these are actual legitimate places that are selling them. This is not just sketchy sketches in the back alleys with jackets full of fingers. What? Yeah, so just to be clear, these are legally being sold by the places you donated them to, even if you openly, willingly donated to this place. Also, oh, some of the bodies too. We've got donor bodies. That go to these research facilities, and still today we have bodies that are just unclaimed, unidentified remains that go to research facilities. So they get a body, they try to get identified, doesn't get identified. Cool, donate to the medical school now. No idea who this person is, no idea how you can dispose of the body, and then after that, let's say you know ten years from now somebody goes on Namus and is like, oh shit, that's my cousin who went missing. And they're like, hey Namus, that's my cousin. They're like, oh. Well, we're pretty sure his skull is in Philadelphia, but we think his left foot's in Atlanta. Because it got sold off. Sorry. Now, NamUs is not in charge of any of this. NamUs is actually a really yeah. great organization. NamUs is how you can find, like, missing people and stuff. I get excited, and then I accidentally hit my screen, and it scrolls to the place. All right. So, now well, let's say you gave consent to be buried. You're buried. You're just chilling down on the ground. Time goes by, then you get dug up. Maybe they're putting in a parking lot. Maybe that it's been a good while, and you're there for an anthropological dig. Maybe they're putting a train line across the entirety of the UK and you've been there for 9,000 years and you've been disturbed now. You did not consent to having your body sold or put on display. Now, when we think about it, usually we think about Egyptian mummies and shit like that. Stuff that they dug up, put on display in museums. Weirdly, that doesn't bother us as people. because, like, oh, fascinating. Look at the historical value. Which, if you think too deeply about it, a little weird. But also, at the same time, like the pharaohs and stuff are like, yeah, they're getting revered still. I think they're probably okay with it. But we find just like normal people's bodies... In the ground, we people get pissed when you just move a graveyard. You just like, we gotta dig this up, we'll move it to this other graveyard. People get pissed. Well, if you're digging up some graves, you find some graves, you didn't know they were there, whatever. Anthropologists sell them on the internet. Just like the medical all that shit. I'm not saying all anthropologists, I'm not saying all the bodies, but let's say you're digging in a place and you're like, oh shit, there are ten thousand bodies here. And we have to move them. Well, okay, what are we gonna do? Like and they can cremate like you, can cream, you can't You can transport all of them. There are not enough museums to take all of them. So they get sold on the internet a lot. <laughs> if they can't find another place to put them. Anthropologists, it's not their first goal. And then there's a debate about what antique means. Because these are not properly cared for. They are not currently on the market. But they are, if they are old enough to be considered antique, they can sell them. he agrees on what antique means. Seems to be about 50. This is the minimum. I've seen less. So I've seen more. So, You could feasibly be selling the body parts of someone whose family is still very much alive and would like you to please move their body somewhere else and not sell it on the internet to some rando who's going to carve designs in it and turn it into a bong. Admittedly, though, the anthropologists seem a little more dedicated to making sure it goes to the right people. And that is one thing all of these people claim is, oh, but we're making sure it's going to people who will take take care of them. Well, we have a thing in there that says take care of them.
0: Yeah, because that's that's going to work.
1: Some of them say, oh, we only sell to medical professionals. And they go, okay, how do you verify?
0: They have to click. I agree.
1: How do I want? I guess I guess artists can also use them and like and good again. I have no problem with any of this happening so long as it's all, you know, there's a good like chain of command and people have given consent the way they need to. That is where my issue comes in with any of this. So there are skulls floating around on the internet in people's homes that were just dug up by accident or on purpose and weren't considered important enough to keep. And they could have been buried as per their specific religions needs. So in their belief system, they are now doomed to walk the earth. They are now in hell because their bodies are no longer interred where they're supposed to be. And one of the people I read in my research, actually, she was one of the bone sellers, said, you know, and I get that this is religious beliefs and all that, but I don't think that someone else's beliefs should impose on other people's aesthetics or something along like those lines. I'm like, oh. you're telling me that someone's belief that they're going to burn in hell if, you, if they're not buried in this certain way is not as important as your desire to make 800 bucks?
0: Listen, I mean, I'm sorry that you're damned for eternity, but you, like, like, really bring the room together.
1: It's like, for me, regardless of whether I agree with your beliefs, unless you're hurting someone else, I'm going to respect them. If you're hurting someone else, then get the fuck out. But, yeah, seriously. it's So 50 years could be considered an, an antique. I've seen as little as 20. I've seen as much as 500. Because there is no legal definition, you can just call it an antique and sell it. Um, so people who buy and sell bones, what their arguments are. First of all, there isn't a federal law against it, which is true, but there are state laws leaving basically everyone in the dark about what's allowed, what isn't, and what the consequences are. National Geographic asked collectors and people who are in research fields, what are the state laws about what you're doing? And none of them knew. Even those with lawyers did not know. They say that they're doing this because what will happen to the bones if they don't? Will they just go in the trash? They also say cremations prohibitively expensive and no place will store them. So we're really doing these bodies a service. We're making sure that they get into the right hands. First of all, I'm not saying all of them are not checking. There are certainly ones that are checking. Skulls Unlimited is one that actually does check. Uh, as far as according to them, anyway, I'm going to assume positive intent and, assume, and believe them. Some places do check. They actually do verify that you're doing this for the right reason. Most of them don't. Now, when you sign up on your body being used for science in the first place, your families are generally assured that they're going to go through a specific set of hands, and many are, in fact, returned to the family afterwards, but if that is not what happens, you would assume that your family member's body is going to be properly disposed of. The bone sellers are saying, that's never going to happen. They're never going to properly dispose of them, they're just going to sell them, period, and then they'll get to somebody who does a bad thing instead of someone like me who's going to vet the next... It's bullshit, because I've talked about this the University of Tennessee's Anthropology Research Facility, aka The Body Farm. The Body Farm exists... To put bodies in controlled situations to watch the decomp that happens. Now, by controlled, I don't mean like, you know, science, uh, clean room controlled. I mean, they're like, I wonder what happens to a body when it's left in a partially submerged trunk of a car in freezing weather. That's the kind of things they do with your bodies. They are controlled situations, indoors, outdoors. The goal ultimately is to help law enforcement and anthropologists determine causes of death. It's really cool. This is where a lot of people, like all those CSI people you, you see, this is where they learned their shit a lot of time. This or some of the other ones that are that is the same thing. They've been around since 1981. Have not sold a single bone in all of that time. Also do not cremate the bones. They stored them under the stadium for a long time until they got moved into a larger facility where they now hold well over a thousand bodies. The donated bodies, after they've de- been, they've decomposed, they properly clean and preserve them. And then put them in a three and a half foot long box with a special spot for the head. They catalog them so they know exactly who it is, how they got there, who to contact about them, all of this. And then they are stored on shelves that look a lot like the back rooms of libraries, like big, big uh, research libraries. And their families can come visit. Their families can come and be like, I'm here to see my cousin Charlie. And they're like, cool. And they will bring him out and they'll tell you, like, this is what we used him for. This is what we're using him for now because they keep, they see the value in bones being used for research <laughs> and so they'll have researchers come and be like, i'm looking for a body that died this way more or less to see what it did to the bones and they're like cool uh charlie died in a simil- charlie's body did us something similar we'll bring you charlie and so they tell the families this is exactly what we used him for this is what we're using him for now or he's just chilling for a moment nobody's used him in a while but he'll come back around the families are allowed to see the bones if they want they usually do Uh, Sometimes they want to see them in the box. Sometimes they want to see them fully laid out, which they will do for them. They will go and properly lay out all of those 200 plus bones, however many it is, so that you can see them in the form. Um, And most of the people who ask to see their family members bones are like, that was actually a really cleansing experience for me to see that he's done good even after he died. So no, they don't have to sell these so long as they've got some kind of support system for their program. There's also mass cremation. You can just throw a bunch of men at once. it's much cheaper and that's what they do in a lot of places like and i'm again i'm not saying all medical schools do this a lot of them do mass cremations and just tell the families and do like a reading and it's great like and then there are these bone sellers also say well it's definitely ethical because we can tell by looking if it was a if it was a murder victim or from a robbed grave first of all most no. of the antique skulls um especially in the states were from a robbed grave we st- we dug up a whole bunch of slaves. We dug up a whole bunch of Native Americans. Throughout history, we keep digging people up. Austin did an episode where we talked about where bodies came from. Like they were grave robbed, and they're like, "Well, we're talking recent grave robberies." I'm like, "Okay, cool. Um, go carbon date that skull for me." They can't. They can't. Um, and then there's the whole murder victim thing. We can tell by looking if it's a murder victim. Sure, if it got shot in the head. Like, but please
0: tell me how. It's like, were they poisoned?
1: Forensic anthropologist. Dr. Kathy Reichs, who inspired the TV show Bones, was asked to comment on the Brian Laundrie case, because we have only found his skull, question mark, question mark, sketchy, sketch, 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 and she, they're like, so they sent him to an anthropologist to try to determine cause of death, they're like, so they'll be able to, right? And she goes, no. She's like, if they couldn't determine cause of death at first looking at the skull, they're not going to be able to do it now. Or what she actually said was, quote, if it doesn't touch a bone, then you're not going to derive anything from the skeleton. Poisoning somebody, she said, basically, unless it happened for a long period of time, will not remain in the skeleton. Stabbing somebody, unless it went into the skeleton, not going to show up on a skeleton. The only things that will show up in a skeleton are things that actually affected the skeleton. So only having Brian Laundrie's skull, which was identified in, what, 24 fucking hours? but I'll get into that in my head later. Um, she was like, yeah, you're not going to find that out. So no, they can't tell by looking. Now, I am not laying all of this on the bone sellers. They have found a market. It is not illegal. And it's not really, it's not inherently immoral. And the ethics, they, I believe, actually think they're doing everything ethically because they're believing what the previous steps have told them. Which is why I'm saying the ethics come down to you as a buyer. You ultimately need to decide whether or not you think that this is an ethical enough practice and if you have enough information for the bones that you are buying. I am not inherently bothered by the idea of this, But I do think that there are ethical ways to do it. Now, the question was, are there ethically sourced skulls in the United States? Only if you have a very loose definition of ethics, because almost no one, not no one, almost no one has signed a consent form saying, please sell my body so that some college kid can have it on their mantle. Now, an ethically sourced human skull would be someone who signed off to say that. I want my skull given to this person. I want my skull given away or sold when you're done with it, or at least... The way we do it now, the legal, ethical way, is for them to at least have an informed signature that my body will be sold for personal use when I am done. That doesn't have a whole lot. The bones, to be truly ethical, would also need to continually have a trail. There would need to be a paper trail showing exactly who they are with at any given time. Instead, we treat them like guns. (laughs) Just hand them around, sell them on the internet. Nobody cares who you are, what you plan on using them for. People
0: would freak the hell out if you brought it into a school.
1: They'd probably just assume it was a property. Sell an elementary school. (laughs) And I would argue that the person themselves doesn't have to consent, as long as the family does, and it needs to be fully informed consent. And I'm a little iffy on if it's ever ethical with children. No, absolutely donating bodies, absolutely ethical. Donating organs, ethical as fuck. But I'm not sure a parent whose child dies will be in the right state of mind to read all the fine print after seeing Donate to Science, and it's not their fault. So if we can guarantee bodies are sourced with full and known consent of all parties involved, fine. If we can't. You simply can't know if the body was someone who knew this was going to happen to them. If you get an older body, it was probably a slave or part of some shady, shady body trade from India or China, or someone whose grave was dug up.
0: Or all of the above. Who had
1: no consent in any of this. And this is as recently as 2008. These are not ones that could even be considered antique by any stretch. So, moral of the story is, kids, you want your body to be safe get everything in writing, it might just save your after. <laughs> and that is the story of the legalities and ethics of owning human skulls in the U.S. It's different. I'm not saying for a second that countries that automatically do this by culture, that's fine. You do yeah. you.
0: All right. Have any thoughts? Lots of thoughts. All of them are just kind of, ugh, this sucks. All right. Yeah, I, my personal thoughts, like, no, it's not a good idea to have someone's skull as a conversation piece. That was a person. This is all icky. I think
1: you're gonna get haunted. And I actually put in here and I accidentally deleted it that if this were to happen to me, if I were to down at my body and then my skull got sold to someone, I'm a to telltale heart that bitch. I didn't consent to you owning my head, so I will just telltale heart them until they go crazy. But then I won't have a heart, so I'll probably have to telltale teeth ch- chatter at them, which is even scarier. That's, scary that's so me.
0: much scarier. Because
1: I won't have teeth by then because I won't ground them down from all of my, you know, jaw Uh, So. Yeah, it is legal to own skulls in general. Whether or not it's ethical is kind of a judgment call on your part. But I think we should probably all be able to agree that we need tighter restrictions around that. Because that po- there was a poor man who found that his grandma was one of the ones that was sold by that, you know, bucket of hands place. I think they actually figured out that she had been blown up by the military because they thought they were getting it from a... Yeah, that's one of the things you can ha- ask to have done with your body is having the military. <laughs> All right, I hit the wrong button, so I'm going to just wing these questions. You ready? Ready. Will this be on the test? The majority of the skeletons that you find in your medical student grandparents' closets will have been from highly impoverished people in India or China.
0: Yeah, that'll be on the test.
1: Will the fact that it is pretty much a free-for-all in buying and selling antique skulls, but there is no definition of antique beyond the test?
0: No, that won't be on the test.
1: Will the fact that donating your body to science doesn't mean it won't be sold off for someone's display be on the test? No,
0: that won't be on the test.
1: Will the fact that you should always read the fine print before you sign be on the test?
0: Yes, yes, that will.
1: Austin and I were talking the other day about him watching me sign waivers for anything. But hey, it has saved my ass a few times. I will read every goddamn line and ask questions because... Damn it, that is my right as an American to waste your time by doing my job. <laughs> All right. So Ooh. we had a we had a doozy today. We was, did. I've been wanting to talk about this for a while. And I think it's fascinating. Yep. And once in a while, Austin and I will just yell ethically sourced skulls at each other. That's how long this has been going on. Mm-hmm. We also yell get fucked at each other because <laughs> of the ghosts that were my family on the ghost TV show that I was watching. <laughs> and uh, the EVP clearly said get fucked. They tried to cover it up by saying something else. And we are like, no. We watch it over and over. I heard it the first time. <laughs> They're like, there's no way that's saying anything else. <laughs>
0: um, Where can people find us? Well, they can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pod, on Twitter at onthetestpod, on Instagram at onthetestpod, and our website onthetestpod.com.
1: You cannot find us resting on top of your mantelpiece because, goddammit, we will haunt you. Yeah. And... Nothing too exciting to report at the moment. I yep. hope you're still enjoying our new theme song because she is amazing. Yep. And yeah, we've not a whole lot to report. It's November already and daylight savings time ended. If you're interested in learning about why that bullshit is going on, go back and listen to that episode. If you want to hear about P.T. Barnum did, that's similar to what I talked about today. Go to listen to that episode. If you want to listen to some uh, about the brain and what they have in Mutters Museum, that's M-U-T-T-E-R. Go listen to that. We have a lot of things coming together right now. Yeah, because...
0: it's like, this was like the Nexus episode. I feel like if this was like an MCU movie, this would have been like the first Avengers movie where it all comes together.
1: I was going to say, hey, no, genocide this episode. I'm like, wait a second. No, mine was genocide. Mine was mm-hmm. just nothing but genocide. Yeah. Also, you're totally able to will your uh, body to somebody, even if it's not somebody you know, but like, just send it to this person. Oh wait, who God. was it who did that? Um, Jefferson in the Mastodon episode. Yeah. sending like. Animal parts to somebody in France who was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And he was trying to prove an animal existed, but it was actually parts of different animals he had sewn together or some shit. <laughs> Jefferson, honestly, I would kind of want to bro out with Jefferson.
0: <laughs> oh no, I would not. I'm unless gonna... I would, unless it's David Diggs, I would absolutely bro out with David Diggs, uh, not Jefferson. I
1: would bro out with either one of them, but but Thomas Jefferson, man, he was my kind of nuts. I think. All right. Well, we've got nothing exciting happening, and I just...
0: This is the danger of when Maddie eats before we do the podcast, so she's not motivated by hunger to wrap it up. We're like, we're sitting in an hour and a half. We should probably wrap up. Well,
1: we don't have a clever ending this week, no. but that happens in class sometimes, so on yeah. that note... Class, class dismissed. dismissed! Be careful where you get your skulls.